Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Graveside Picnic, everyone, and this disembodied voice that's coming through your headphones. Who is it? Why, it's me. It's Carlo. It's Carlo, and I am joined today by um, a a returning guest and uh, definitely raconteur of the game scene, uh, none other than Trevor Strunk, uh, a.k.a. Hegel Bond. Hi, Carlo. Yep. How's it going? Good to be back. I'm doing okay. Yeah, all right. I do like being called a rack on tour. I don't know if that. I don't know if I've been called a rack on tour of the game scene yet. Um, <laughs> you know, I've definitely been called someone who podcasts too much. So that's like this is this is a step up. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I I I don't know who's telling you you podcast too much. Uh, I just can't keep up. Is all. <laughs> and by the by the way that wasn't me that said that folks so no just... no it actually was not you i don't remember who it was but some someone said it at some point um but no yeah it's uh it's you know it is important just to keep the content flowing i do find that some people listen to it all which like i say that and it sounds like i'm being like passive aggressive honestly i can't imagine it like i, I put out way wait <laughs> a lot of content and it's great like i I like doing it, but uh, there's so much out there. I can't. I can't possibly imagine just being like, "Well, time to settle in for another like several hours of podcast." <laughs> but <laughs> oh my you know, so, I mean, people work different jobs. There's all sorts of reasons that that might happen. So you know, I'm glad to be there for them, and I, you know what? I'm glad you're there for them too. If yeah, I'm being well, honest, yeah. we, well, I try to do what I can. Um, uh, but uh, but in any case, we're here to talk about uh, what is it? Horror games or uh, yeah? So can I ask so, you? I know this is graveside picnic now. You've you've made a you've made a, a permanent uh, brand change, as I'm to understand. Um, it's never going back to Podside. Um, well, once you're dead, well, you might be able to come back. It is graveside after all. So. Oh, ooh, it's a reanimator picnic. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's um, I, I'm curious. Uh, so I don't want to. I would never want to second guess such a ghoul's horror bona fides. Uh, so I want to know what is your experience with with playing horror video games? Like, what have you done? What have you played? What have you not played? Like, have you played any? Uh, where, where where are you coming from on this topic? So, um, I think I started like I remember like it's yesterday. I was over at a friend's house. Uh, in Puerto Rico. And he, he, like, they had like this big sort of converted carport um, into like a, a TV room. And oh, he badass. invited me over. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Like, it's that's a so huge cool. room. <laughs> and that's- so, and so, uh, yeah, he had basically the only lighting was the TV and he sat me down 
And uh, lo and behold, he had Resident Evil. Ah, that's such a good first game to get to get into as a horror horror game. I would say honestly, we have the same one. Um, yeah. So okay, so you played Resident Evil? Was- scare scare the well- pants off you? Well, I'll tell you, yes, uh, the first jump scare, which I know, I'm sure you know what it is, but oh, yeah. I will tell everyone what it is. It's that goddamn dog that jumps through the window. Oh, it's brutal. Press. Like, they, it is absolutely, it was the first time I saw something also that was designed with, like, like, um, that's not quite right. Because, like, I've, I've, I saw stuff that was, you know, jump scary or whatever, like, I... I had seen horror movies, but the thing, the thing about that particular scene, right. Is that it is, it is designed to be a jump scare in a very particular way. Like in a way that understands what jump scares are, um, why they're sort of understood as a little lame, a little overdone. Um, but also why it's going to be using them. Right. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. it it reminds me of jump scares and like self-aware horror movies. Um, Because like it, it knows that you're waiting for something because it is, it is like a, it's a video game that is a horror video game. So it's like, okay, they're going to expect something spooky, but it doesn't give it to you until you're sort of off guard enough to be like, okay, maybe it's not that kind of game. <laughs> it just right. Well, I mean, over and, the head. and so you, you're, you're already at the uh, haunted, what you would imagine is a haunted mansion that is completely mm-hmm. empty. You've already started struggling with the controls because don't forget uh, the controls love, were really sort of. I love tank controls. I just gotta, gotta love how scary tank controls actually feel. <laughs> yes. I God, I remember like, even like I, I was super glad that, um, that the game was like, you know, it, it then turns into sort of like a zombie game and then it turns into another, like another monster game. Uh, after that, when you, uh, I forget you go down in, is it, I forget now it's been so long. Uh, you, you go down to the, like the water t- uh, level or whatever the, where they have the giant gigantic zombie shark. And oh, then you yeah, start, okay. f- you start finding all the sort of, uh, deep ones sort of, uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, you, you, you essentially you essentially find out that like uh, the real problem in this place is that your 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 boss Wesker has been uh, has been, has been like doing some doing some pretty exciting experiments. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I mean as the series goes on, it definitely I would say four has a bit of uh, of Lovecraft to it. Um, oh yeah, seven so- seven does. Yeah, no, for sure. It's so weird because I think I jumped from one to four okay well that, that's not that's not so strange i mean especially if like especially if you were playing it and you were like these tank controls drive me insane like <laughs> but by the time you get to four the tank controls are gone but up until that point the tank controls they're in effect yeah well i i was gonna say that the um because the the initial uh level of the mansion in resident evil one is almost like a tutorial to get you acclimated to the controls and how everything works. It, they wisely chose like shambler type zombies that you're slow because sure. they want you to sort of have a chance at least. They want, they want you to be able to win sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, did did you ever um, did you ever do the challenge where the uh, you 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 
finish the game within what was it two hours no i never i'm so bad at those kinds of challenges like even i think the only one i ever did was when i was an adult um which is honestly in its own way kind of sad uh but (laughs) when i was an adult and i i i got the uh the time challenge for beating uh super metroid or or no not even super metroid regular metroid Mm, um I beat regular Metroid and got the okay. Now you now you know Samus is a lady. Uh, secret bonus, right? Um, I saw some one of my one of my good friends on uh, on Twitter. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, said that um, <laughs> was pointing out that someone was uh, was saying that the Prodigy video. Um, uh, I don't know if you've seen this video or you remember the band The Prodigy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the video for Smack My Bitch Up. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. that video. It was oh widely. For- Widely banned, but which meant that everyone saw it. Um, <laughs> about like a drunk person who's like do, performing violence and stuff, and you find out at the end that it's a that it's a woman. Um, yeah. So the my friend was like, "It's kind of like it's pretty ridiculous that like there's someone there are people out there who say like this is like radical feminism or something like that." Like it's like really strange, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, when you put it that way, like it is kind of." Radical feminism by way of uh, the end of Metroid for the NES. <laughs> um, it was basically like surprise. It was a lady, um, but that's all to decide. Yeah, I never, I never did the, I never did the the time the time attack uh, secret ending. How how was uh, like what happens if you do that? Oh my god, it's so good because it's so cathartic. So oh, cool. you when you when you beat uh, the the tyrant at yeah. the end, um, you know if if you've done it all within uh, under two hours, I believe it was, uh, they would throw you as a permanent weapon choice the rocket launcher. Oh, okay, that's pretty sweet. That's good. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, with with I think it had like unlimited ammo as well. So it was really great to to do like a new game and then just like all those fuckers, those, those fucking zombies that like ate you, tw- you know, like fifty times in previous games. You just like fire them and like their limbs and heads pop off, and it just sort of burns and falls <laughs> to the ground. It's it's the most satisfying thing once you've had to struggle with that fucking game. <laughs> I think what's like what's what's super interesting about that is like it reminds me of what happens in later games where like you get um like I I'm thinking of I'm thinking of in this case um I did you ever play Death uh, Dead Rising? No, um, I did not. It looked okay, it so looked really cool, but yeah. I no. kind of bounced off of Dead Dead Rising um and I I've always meant to come back to it. And the reason I bounced off of Dead Rising is because I played it as a game when I was like getting back into video games. So like um mm. I was I I played a ton of video games as a kid. This looks also explain like my horror my horror game gaps. Um uh, but I played a ton of video games as a kid and then I didn't really have a game system for a while. Like it was I just didn't I didn't have a lot of like options for playing video games. And so I just didn't play them like for, for a little bit. I just wasn't really into games. And then uh, my uh, my cousin's um, husband uh, for my for my uh, uh, wedding shower got me a um, an Xbox 360, um, which I thought was like cool. Like, it's like, oh, wow, like th- that's so nice, like getting me something like that just for me. Right. Um, and so. uh I got the um I got the I got the Xbox 360. That was cool. And um 
I I got a bunch of games for it, and some of them clicked. Like I was very able to play um, uh, Skyrim, or no, I'm sorry, Oblivion. It was Oblivion at that point. Uh, that clicked for me. Um, oh, what's the game with the uh, um, the gruff Marines and the fixed perspective? This is irritating uh-huh. me. Um, sorry, I'm going to Google Xbox series <laughs> games. Uh, do, 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 not cyberpunk, not battlefield. Uh, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's a huge game. This is like, this is going to be embarrassing when I figure it out. Call of Duty? No, 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 no. Um, uh, let's see. Fixed perspective shooter with bugs and big guys. See if that gets me there. Uh, not Force Gemini. Uh, I'm sure you all know it. They came up with a fifth one recently. They came up with a tactics. It's not um, uh, Halo. No, it's 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 not. It, I want to say it's Bioshock, but it's not Bioshock. It's something like Bioshock. God. Uh, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the you get a chainsaw and stuff. People are screaming it at the Gears at, of War. Yeah, there it is. Gears of War. Thank you so much. I don't know why that popped out of my head, but I played all of Gears of War one. It rocked like it. It it was fun. Um, And those games clicked for me. But the problem with Dead Rising, right, was Dead Rising has a method by which you cannot beat all of the missions um, in your first time through. Uh, and that just drove me nuts. Like particularly then that drove me nuts. Now I think I could play it and sort of understand it as a choice. Then it just like, I was like, I can't play this game if I can't save all these people. Like if I have to let some of these people die and some of these people live, I can't do it. The reason you have to do that, right. Is uh, because you, um, you then get to keep replaying the game with like stronger abilities every single time. So by the end, you're just like a, a wrecking machine and you can save whoever you want. Um, and that is cool. Like, that's a neat feeling. Uh, and I think, like, Resident Evil uh, being a version of that, right, where, like, I can't ever, I can't, like, I can't make it so that I am the the sort of, like, uh, world beater, like, like crusher that I want to be. Uh, but I will get this, uh, we'll get this rocket launcher at the end and feel like I can just dominate this game. Like, that feels like an early version of that uh, Dead mm. Rising thing where it's like, okay, look, it's a zombie thing. You can't save everyone, but if you keep playing, you can save everyone. Right, right. right. I mean, it, it was a, it was a like a narrow window too, because if I remember correctly, uh, you had to have played it sufficiently to learn, sort of like tacitly have the knowledge of where everything was, and and just have it in the back of your mind as oh, you yeah. as you're going, and just run everywhere. Well, not think, even stop not even stop to to kill any you know like try yeah. to ki- uh kill whatever is absolutely necessary but n- anything else leave it be I think what's interesting about about Resident Evil also and, and it, it kind of goes into what you're saying is like one of the one of the elements of Resident Evil is that it is like at its core a puzzle game right like mm-hmm. it it also wants to be a puzzle game in, in the same way that something like alone in the dark was or or whatever like it it it's speaking to that kind of history of gaming um and i i think like what's cool about that right is it it really like makes you kind of embrace that memorization that you don't necessarily need to do in later horror games like 
Um, Outlast isn't about memorizing things like alien isolation is not about memorizing things. It's about surviving. Right. Um, but in, in resident evil, it's like, Oh geez, I really need to remember all the paths I'm taking. Or well, I'm and, screwed. And, yeah. And don't forget that like one of the easy, uh, level ups is actually choosing Jill over Chris. Oh yeah. No, 100%. Chris is, uh, Chris is dead weight in that game. <laughs> he sucks. I, I think I think he had what was what was it that he had because Jill was like what was it she was a master at picking Jill locks was the master of unlocking. There is like there's nothing that Chris does that that's better than Jill being the master of unlocking. Like I gotta, I'm I'm just gonna come out and say it. Like if you don't if you hear that Jill is the master of unlocking uh, from Bar- Barry and you don't go well, I guess I'm just playing Jill. I, I don't know like what video games you played before that, but you didn't play enough. Like you got you got you got tricked by by your gender assumptions at that point. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I, I think my first uh my first playthrough was with Jill specifically because of like, oh she's got she can open any door. Okay. Let's Literally, do that. Like absolutely. There's a um that's also like a, that's a that's an oblivion like a I think it's like all of the uh all of those games, the um the you know your your oblivion skyrims morrowinds etc um where like one of the things you you can do at any given point is like select your sign and one of the signs is like oh you can open any door um oh wait no no no, i'm actually i'm thinking of um i'm thinking of dark souls dark souls you can select a sign where it's like you get a skeleton oh you had the skeleton key yeah yeah always always every time i'm like well I'm going to want that skeleton. <laughs> you know, I never, I never did that one um, mainly because I wanted to play through uh, and, and because I didn't know anything about the game yet. Uh, it's actually not go- the most useful one. I just, I pick it because like, I, you know, my gamer brain goes like, yeah, no, you want a skeleton key. Of course. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the logic behind it, but also I was like, I, I think, uh, my brain was like, well, I don't know what this game has. And thankfully, like I, I'll tell you small dark side, uh, dark, dark side, dark souls, <laughs> anecdote, uh, tangent, which is I came into the game with D and D brain. Oh, so nice. excellent. So I went and I'm like, why can I fucking kill these skeletons? God damn it. These skeletons are kicking my ass. Are you, you gotta be, I did that too. Like I wasn't, it, I won't say it was because of D and D brain, but it was like, I ran into the skeletons and just hit my head against the skeletons for hours. <laughs> and it like, it, it, it actually made me fall in love with the game in a big way. Cause like, if you spend that much, I, I played the game. I mean, Dark Souls is a horror game in and of itself, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more fantasy than horror, but it has that horror in there. And like one of the things that I did with that game was I played it. Um, I used to. So when I lived in Chicago, um, uh, we we would we would come back and visit my family in in Pennsylvania a lot. Me and Kristen's family both live, my wife, uh, Kristen's family both live in uh, Pennsylvania. And so, like, you know, we'd come back to visit all the time. And one of the things we sort of started to do once our daughter Tilly was, let's say like, I don't know, maybe like one or a little, a little under where like she still took naps during the day, but she slept great through the night. Mm-hmm. We were just like, you know what? We'll drive through the night. Like what's the, what's the big idea? What's the big deal? Like this will be so much easier, but only I could drive through the night. Like I, I could do that. And, and Kristen couldn't. So what I would do is I'd stay up super late, like all night, two days beforehand, sleep through the day before the drive and then be up for it. Right. 
but I had to keep myself awake. I was in the middle of doing my dissertation and I just wanted to sleep. So I would just play video games so I could like force myself to stay awake. Mm-hmm. And so I spent just five hours grinding through like, like difficult content in Dark Souls <laughs> so I could stay awake. And the difficult content I grinded was, okay, like, let's just, let's get, let's do this. Like, let's make sure I can beat these stupid skeletons. And after like, you know, five hours of this, I was like, I get this game and I love it. <laughs> I, I want, I just, I want nothing else but to play this game forever. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think um, in, in uh, another uh, previous episode uh, where I was talking with Connor, uh, uh, I, I, I've mentioned, I've mentioned that. We've never been uh, seen in the same place. I, I, I you, you got to know that, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, you're Hagelbun and he's Connor, obviously. It's different. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he was saying that um, that he never, you know, like he he played Sekiro, which has some horror elements, but it's mostly, like you say, like fantasy. Like that's know, yeah, of. that's that's much more a. Um, I mean, there's there's dead things in it, but it's much more a a fairly straightforward like samurai story. Like if it was a you know if it was a an old Toho movie or something, I would believe it. Yeah. And so he was saying that, oh, you, you, you got to the end. You're a better gamer. I was like, I, I'm, I don't know that I'm a better gamer. I'm just more stubborn about things. <laughs> <laughs> and like, honestly, like I've had situations in Dark Souls, uh, Bloodborne, you know, all of the front software games where it's like, I, I'll, I'll get beat by a boss. I'm like, fuck you. I am, I am going to beat you. I'll, I'll go like 35 times against the boss and be yeah. like, okay, never mind. I'm going to go sleep. And, and weirdly, it, it's like those one, one of those, um, one of those, uh, life hacks, right? I go to sleep and somehow my back brain and all the, all the stuff in my consciousness has held on to that. And, you know, the next day I'll beat it and, you know, want maybe the first time or, you know, five times later. Yeah. And it's much easier. And it's like, holy shit, dude, I should do this more often. <laughs> is that all I needed to do it? Yeah. No, no, for sure. I think like, I think Dark Souls is also one of those things where like, if you if you're willing to just like you kind of have to be willing to take the hit for a while right like you mm-hmm. just need to you need to be willing to be like okay i'm just going to play this until the irritating sort of like randomness thing wears off where like okay I, i'm thinking of um and then we we can get back to this is the mm-hmm. problem of talking about video games there's a million different <laughs> like connections um but you know like there's there's a there's a quality to dark souls where you know, you'll be playing it and you'll run up against a boss like, um, like Gwendolyn. Uh, I, w- I was doing a stream with my friend Dia where she was uh, fighting. She was trying to be Gwendolyn. And like, I mean, Dia's played through Dark Souls and Souls games way more than I have. Like I would, I, she's, she's probably better at them than I am. I would, I would say, um, I, yeah, I don't, I, I'll take away the probably she is. Um, but like, uh, she was really struggling against Gwendolyn and Gwendolyn's whole deal is, um, they just like they float down a hallway and shoot mm-hmm. you with magic and the hallway right. is infinite. You can, you, you know, so you have to dodge the magic and then catch up to Gwendolyn, then dodge the magic. And it's like, it's very repetitive, but it was like, it was really hard. And the run back to Gwendolyn every time is super long. And so like, there's a version of, of someone who plays video games, who is going to look at that and say like, yes, screw this. I was like, it's not even important to the plot. Like whatever, who cares? Mm. And then there's a person who uh, beats Sekiro who looks at that and says like, 
no, no, I'm gonna, like, <laughs> it just like sticks with it until it finally, like finally all the stupid bad luck filters away and you can be like, all right, I beat it. Oh, thank God I beat it. Right. Um, right. What's interesting about like thinking about horror games is like the reason it's sort of like you always have to couch Dark Souls as being like, well, it has horror elements is that like, I think one of the big parts of a horror game is that it really doesn't want you to do that. Like a a horror game, like wants you to be scared and like worried and and nervous, Mm -hmm. but repetition is kind of like the absolute last thing a horror game wants to produce because Mm -hmm. like it, if, if you are producing repetition in your horror game, you're effectively doing something that is uh, making it less scary, right? Because, I mean, up until I would say Resident Evil 4, any Resident Evil game is premised on novelty. Like if you're not if you're not surprised by what you're seeing, it's going to be far less interesting, mm-hmm. um, like to the point that like you probably, you know, like when you when you mention that scare, right? It's not scary after the first time you see it. It's not mm-hmm. like every time you're like, whoa, the dog <laughs> Like you can. It's choreographed like it's like, oh, the dog's coming. Right. Um and it might be interesting. It might be fun to look at, but it's not scary. And so like mm-hmm. in terms of being scary, you can't have that sort of like running your head up against the wall. You can't have the thing where you're like, oh, yeah, I can't beat Sif. I'll try to beat Sif 800 times. Um, and so like with with Resident Evil, yeah, there are hard bosses. But once you kind of figure out what to do with them, it's not so bad, right? Like <laughs> it's it's fine. Like you can figure out what to do with the bosses and 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 you'll be fine. Um, and that's by design. It's by mm-hmm. design that like you're going to be scared and you're going to kind of like freak out and have to deal with this stuff. But ultimately, the game is designed to be beaten and the game is designed to sort of like be worked through. And if you want to as a gamer or a player or like someone who's just like, you know, interested in the media, if you want to like play it to completion, you know, go with God. That's great. But the actual sort of appeal of it is not in repetition. It's about the initial scary part of it. So do you want to do you want to do you want me to tell you what my next uh, horror game was, Carlo? Uh, cons- I would love nothing more. Considering that I had uh, like I, I went out just just to give you like the 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 uh, background, I went out like from my shitty uh, part time retail job and bought like a you remember in GameStop or actually they still do that. Uh, they would uh, sell like used, you know, game systems. I oh, bought yeah. a PS one, bought resident evil. And then the next one that I went to go buy was silent hill. And ah, holy okay. shit, that see, that is a, a game that I would say is out and out horror. Um, like yeah, I think well, no, that- for sure. Resident evils can't be in a certain way. Like it has, it has those Romero genes and like, I feel like the thing that's that's so often unsaid about Romero is that there's a very real and maybe this is said about Romero a lot. I don't know. Like if I could I could just have not heard it. Um, but there's a very real uh, um, lineage of campiness um, mm-hmm. in Romero, particularly because like it is it is part and parcel, like especially the original Night of the Living Dead of like the drive in sort of like post-universal horror, you know, somewhat contemporary to Hammer Horror, trying to figure out what the next sort of, like, phase is when movies aren't particularly violent, but they want to suggest, like, intense themes. Like, Night of the Living Dead is crucial to that, and, of course, Night of the Living Dead is crucial to all of its um, 
sequels. Um, but <laughs> so as a result, like it's not as if like you you can separate the camp from from the actual film. And nor should you like the, the, the whole idea is, is, is campy, right? Um, the way that the, the way that like the scariest scene in, in, in the original night of the living dead to me is, and it's, this isn't a novel thing. Like, I'm not going to be like, is the first scene of the film. Like it's, it's the, I mean, actually that's what some people say because that's at the funeral and the thing rises. Um, but I, I, it's, it's not like, I, and I'm also not going to do the thing where it's like, it's at the end where we realize the real monster is racism. Like, yeah, okay, fine. But like, that's not the scariest part. Like, it might be the most troubling part, but it is not the scariest part. The scariest part to me is when the, um, the, the mother and father who have been like, you know, insisting that their kid was not bitten by a zombie. And then when everyone finds out, they're like, well, he'll, it'll, we'll, it'll be fine. Like, don't, don't like make us kill our kid or whatever. Um, is when the kid, and this is utterly predictable in every zombie movie hereafter, is when the kid rises up like, and, and eats them, basically. And you see it by way of a silhouette on the wall. Um, and it's a really, it's a really disturbing moment. Like it, it, it's done in a very, very self-serious way. Um, but what I think it does is it also puts the lie to like the rest of the movie being like seriously disturbing, right? Except maybe that last scene where they kill the protagonist because he's black and not because he's a zombie up to debate, but that's how I read it anyway. Um, but like it, it, I think like Romero is campy and in, in, in the same way, Resident Evil is campy. Like the other sort of initial scare that I think is very memorable is the first like pseudo, I guess you'd call it a cut scene where, um, where like, uh, the, the, um, zombie looks up from eating the body and you don't even know, like, you don't even know that it's a zombie. You're like, what are you doing here, bud? Um, and like, he just looks up and he has the, he has the, like the, um, milk, milky eyes. And- yeah. And his like half of his face is all red. It's like, it's almost like tomato sauce. It's like really, <laughs> really gross. Um, and it's scary, but it's also like, Oh, okay. This is a zombie. Like it's not, it's scary, but you also recognize the genre elements. You recognize the way it's trying to be serious and also clue you in into the fantasy. Like it is, it's a very, very careful, it's a very careful sort of um, balancing. And Silent Hill is just meant to scare you. Like yes. Silent Hill also plays into into tropes and genre fiction and stuff like that. I don't mean to suggest it doesn't, but it is all in the service of making you very uncomfortable and scared. Right. Well, I, mean, I I would I would also say that um, to to perhaps circle back and and point back at your your comment regarding like a puzzle game, I would also say that Resident Evil is is also sort of an adventure game. Mm, uh, and, yeah, and I know you're right. As, and as a result of that, uh, your characters are given from the get go tools, right? Guns. They have guns. You know, they have limited ammo, so they, you have to find ammo throughout. But you have a way to counter the the monsters. When you're in Silent Hill, like I think the first thing you find is like a pipe, and and, and <laughs> like the first weapon you find is like a pipe on the ground, and and that's not even counting like the. Like the more I think about it, um, the the little radio that you find mm-hmm. that yeah. that starts screeching whenever uh, something oh, is approaching you in the fog. Oh yes, but I mean <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. A, it, it is a perfectly <laughs> <Not helpful. laughs> yeah, like it's a perfectly great 
device to really ratchet up that that tension and like i remember just like where's the, it just puts you on edge and you're like sitting there like looking back and forth and you can't see anything which is also a, another funny thing right because they they made the I, I wouldn't say that they made the town misty or foggy because that they had to cover the fact that they couldn't render stuff, but, but it was a, a nice alignment of different you know goals you know, that they needed to make. I'd say it's working within the limit. I, I think like there's something, hmm, there's something about the, there's something about the element of, uh, there's something about the necessity of doing that in PS1 games that I think has made people really interested in them as an aesthetic recently, which is that like, you know, something like even something like Resident Evil, right? Like the mansion is meant as a limiting factor because like you can't do, you can't like, you can't just like build a world, right? Like you can't be like, well, okay, like I'm doing a video game. So what I'll have to do is present like, an open world that's huge in the size of an entire city. Like you couldn't do that in the PS one. So it was like, okay, well, how do we, how do we make it so that we have a, um, how do we make it so that we have a, a city or like an area and it's limited, but it doesn't feel artificially limited. And so in, in the case of resident evil, it's the mansion. And in the mm-hmm. case of silent Hill, it's the fog, right? Like the fact that like, okay, rendering things is difficult, we can either choose to have a small area in picture perfect clarity or a large area in such a way that we are we're we're suddenly like you know kind of cheating a little and they cheated a little which is great like i think it i think it works it's a perfect a perfect use of of like you know what limitations they had to deal with yeah i mean it's it's sort of um uh, do you, do you remember the 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 World of Warcraft the first uh, couple of games where you had the the fog of war? Yeah. This is just fog yeah. of war except <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> except like you're on the ground, you know. <laughs> you're you're from the point of view of the little guys you're clicking around. Um but yeah, I I definitely oh my god, that that game is like there's some scenes in that game that are just indelibly engraved in my mind. Oh sure. Uh I'm just like I mean like there's, there's the, I feel like that's an era, an era of time where like body horror was something that I feel like body horror is more accepted now in, in, in a funny way. Uh, even if you, you see it less where like there is, there was a, a, a quality of body horror in that period of time that was like, it was something that people kind of revisited periodically right like obviously like there's videodrome and videodrome is is prior to silent hill prior to prior to um you know prior to a lot of these games playing around with it but it is something where like okay uh you know cronenberg tries body horror and then we're going to see body harm for this perspective and this perspective and like every time i'm thinking of there's a it's the first arc in uh hellblazer the uh, vertigo comic series they mm-hmm. introduce this sort of like evil sort of thing that that is like a kid with its arms like stitched to both sides and like it can barely move or something like that and it's supposed to be like an evil sort of, i think it's supposed to be a, some sort of voodoo or creole thing um you know the politics being what they are uh you know, I don't know how well that holds up, but it was a scary image when, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I first saw it. And like, 
it's the same thing here, right? Where like you see those nurses with like no face, essentially, sort of like the, their face just looks like it's been like it's a a soggy bag, or or I mean, even Pyramid Head, right? Like mm-hmm. the 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 man himself, like it's it's a it's a horrifying thing to see a body look that way, mm-hmm. um, in a way that you truly do not expect, but also in a way that isn't like oh, like yeah, this person's just kind of like scary looking because they have a disability, like like it's just it's it's. <laughs> You know, it's not, it's not, um, I don't know. It's, it, it's believably terrifying in that way. I would say. Do you, do you want to hear one of the like most visceral reactions I had, had no, was not even an enemy that you could fight. Oh, nice. Okay. Go for it. you you remember the stage where you're at the school and you, mm-hmm. you, you morph over into like the, the hell, the Hellraiser dimension version of Silent Hill. Yes. And, okay. <laughs> um, so you're walking around and you see those little shadows the little kid shadows mm-hmm. that sort of like run, run towards you and then like trip and fall. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I remember I was, I mean, again, I was probably playing that like at night. Like, oh yeah. Lights but were I out mean- and everything. And I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like I had a visceral <laughs> reaction where I like, like I dropped the controller and I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I feel like there's like, there's something that, that uh, really should be said anytime anyone covers these kinds of games and like again this might be my lack of reading it i'm sure this has been written about somewhere but it's something i don't see written about a lot which is that a lot of these games have the benefit of doing the things they do the first time right i mean thinking about like even thinking about non-horror games like metal gear solid right where where um uh uh psycho mantis says like says like you know put down your controller and then it vibrates away like every single person i know who did that was like oh my god how does he how does he how can he do that or like he reads your he reads your memory card is like i see you enjoy final fantasy 7 like it's like oh no and like now it's like okay that's kind of goofy whatever but like it really was like terrifying to to people i'm thinking a less popular version maybe one that that you have not heard of i i Trust me, it's not a game that you need to have heard of. I believe it's a, um, I think it's an early David Cage game, maybe. So, but, you know, clearly not something you need to worry about. Um, <laughs> if you're worried about <laughs> missing out, don't. Um, but uh, um, Omicron, um, Between Two Souls, I think it's called, or Omicron's, no, that's another David Cage game. But it's Omicron something. And like, it's big, it's big selling point was that David Bowie was in it. Um, so it's a video game with David Bowie and one of the, uh, it's, it's pretty unmemorable, but I remember a friend of mine was playing it and he, it gets to a point in the game where like a person in the game looks like, says like, I know you're playing a game. Um, and sort of looks at you and breaks the fourth wall and says like, yes, I know you're here. You're playing this game, and if you do not stop playing this game, you, the person who's playing this game in real life, will die. Um, and I remember my friend playing it was just like, I shut it off and never started. I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't handle it. And like well, I mean, that, that like it, that that's such that's such a thing. Like you can only really do it once because at this point it feels like if a game did that, you'd be like, okay, like what kind of point are you trying to make? Like Undertale, I think, does that. And it's like, it has to make a more salient point or else everyone would just roll their eyes and be like, okay, like fine, Kreskin, like who cares? Um, but like but, at that point, but, it was just so scary. 
I mean, I feel like that that leans into like the um, the cursed media, right? The the mm-hmm. idea of like Ring and and you sure. know, Ringu and stuff like that. You know, like um, the the media that if you do not stop, you know, like uh, I, we just recently did uh, uh, an episode on the King in Yellow, and you know that's that's a cursed media right there. You know, if you don't and stop again, reading, way. yeah, yeah, you know, if you don't stop reading it, oh, get to Act Two, you're gonna go crazy. Um, <laughs> Turns out, no, you won't. Not, <laughs> You'll be really. fine. Well, <laughs> well I mean, uh, it, it's never uh, wisely. It's never really uh, uh, shown in the in the collection of stories. But um, mm. oh, okay, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the way that the King in Yellow is its own current cursed media the the book itself by that author because of um because of true detective and and things like that and oh, like oh gotcha. like, like lovecraftian element where people are like ooh it's mega spooky like you never know like you might go nuts <laughs> if you read this i mean and that's 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 the way that that horror always does it it it's sort of like it creates a a a, a terror and then like reorients it reorients it reorients it reorients it it's like it's pretty interesting well yeah i think i think the like if it's it's that old um saw about you know if you once you show the monster the game is you know the game is up right you know you 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 have to keep it in the background you like my mind would make up more scary stuff than if you tried to especially in a ps1 try to show me the monster except Mm -hmm. uh, like silent hill i think to your point uh because it leans heavily on body horror and sort of um trying to really mine that idea of the uncanniness of the graphics and then presenting something that is just close enough to being human, but several things are off about it. Yeah. That really makes it scary. Like the, like you said, the nurses just look like, you know, they, they're, they're all waiting for their, you know, their plastic surgery to finish, but they, (laughs) but they're also after you for whatever reason. Uh, Do do you want me to, you want to, you want to be, be, um, to pull the, uh, the old, uh, pull the old, um, pretentious move here. Um, I'll say, uh, the, what you can call this is, um, is what Freud would call the Unheimlich, um, or the uncanny. Uh, and the idea of the uncanny is that, um, you, unheimlich, uh, means un, unhomelike. That's the, that's the literal translation. And so like the idea of the uncanny in Freud, which I think is very helpful when we think about horror is that it is like, it's essentially close enough to your world that um, you you recognize it and you can sort of like uh, say like, okay, that is a nurse, right? Like the, the nurses are a perfect example in Silent Hill, just like, I mean, you may as well just call Silent Hill the Unheimlich, like as like a subtitle, <laughs> like the whole point of the game is that. And this is not to, not to, some of my favorite horrors that Robert Aikman's work is like that. If, uh, uh, if the listeners have not, Red Robert Aikman, uh, please make that a a treat for yourself this Halloween. Go read some mm-hmm. Robert Aikman stories. Um, absolutely wonderful um, stuff. Uh, but it all relies on this sort of sense of like something's off here and I can't put my finger on it or something's off here. I can't put my finger on it. Oh, that's it. And now that I have put my finger on it, I'm much more horrified. Um and so like the home like is basically like the terror isn't necessarily in the image, which like you're right. Like, that's a really good point that you have, which is like, it doesn't really matter. It's not like, Oh no, like the, the 
the nurse has like a bag over her face. Like, yeah, okay. Like as an image, that's a little scary, but like we see people with bandages on their faces and don't freak out. Mm -hmm. The problem is that like, we're seeing it in a situation where it's like, okay, like I recognize this is a hospital. I recognize that's a nurse. I do not recognize why they have those things over their faces, nor am I getting an explanation. So it is like the one thing that's off and that's far scarier than like a bunch of things being off. Right. It's just close enough. Uh, it, it, you know, part and parcel with the, uh, with the uncanny Valley. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as a result, like, I think, I think silent Hill is, is understood as scarier than resident evil because like, while the zombie also is like, you know, touched by the unheimlich, it's also something that's very familiar to us as a trope at this point. Like, you know, Night of the Living Dead was probably scary to people because like they were seeing that and they were like, oh, those are people, but not that's horrifying. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in 1994 or 1999, like we're looking at that and saying like, yeah, OK, like I, I get what that is. That's a zombie. Like, you kind of have to go a little differently at, at that point. Yeah, I mean, even even the newer zombie stuff like uh, was it the 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 Snyder uh what is it? Dawn of the dead. Um, or, or 28 days later had to simply make the zombies fast. They got to go right. fast. Sure. Now. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 No, I, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, it's the earlier, uh, it's the earlier version of, uh, of they fly now. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> they go fast now. <laughs> no, no, it, it wasn't like that. Like I, that, that's not fair. Uh, I, cause like, I, I feel like 28 days later did that actually quite well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think like, so too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's that's quite a good movie. Um, but like one of one of the best parts about that movie is in fact the fact that like they're they sort of recognize like these zombies aren't scary anymore because everyone's sort of and this is why something that is uncanny is scary, right? It you know, people will talk like there's a million comedy routines that are are, are like around like I ran into such and such, like scary thing. This is how I'd handle it. Right. Like just don't fall down and you won't get killed by Jason or, you know, whatever. Right. Like, and, and the reason that's funny is because of course it's true. Like if you watch enough slashers and that, you know, there's been a lot of postmodern work written on this. There is a, um, I don't like, I, I will not vouch for the show every single time. I'll vouch for the show. It's, it's a well-made show. I won't vouch for the material in it every, every single time. The material can be hit or miss. It can be good or bad or whatever. But um, the, the no sleep podcast is a pretty interesting thing. If you like, like short horror fiction, especially like with quite good production and voice acting, but the um, uh, they had something recently where like the, the, the idea was it was a romantic story between uh, two slashers. And, uh, you know, they were meeting like in their in their hunting grounds and like, you know, the, the one slasher was like, oh, like I talked to I talked to your final girls and they talked and, and the other one was like, why was he talking to my final girls? And it was a great story because it's like, oh, yeah, those are those are all the tropes of slashers. Like we, we all know what final girls are. We all know what slashers are. Yeah. You, some girls get away. It's always a girl like <laughs> like they spread the legend and then people come back because it's scary. And then you kill those people because they're in your space. Like that's that's the whole point. And like once you can make rules for something, this is what Scream identified. And this is why, like, you know, more so than Scream being like, OK, like, you you know, Wes Craven kind of rewrote the rules like Scream identified that when things have rules, when things can like be said to have conventions, you either have to actively break those conventions or actively sort of like, you know, note that those conventions no longer apply um, or make fun of them in order to, you know, make something interesting. Cause like, once you can say like, Oh, you know, slashers always do this. 
you know, it might be fun to watch a slasher movie, but no one's going to say like, oh, I was so, you know, existentially terrified by that Jason movie. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, I never thought of that before, <laughs> like a big scary guy who kills a bunch of teens. Like, yeah, no, you, you did. Cause <laughs> that's, everyone thinks about that. Um, but if, if someone, someone might be saying like, I've never thought about, um, uh, I've never thought about like, uh, uh, you know, nurses in a hospital, you know, the, the thing I, the thing that's so true about nurses is that like, they have this approachability or they're willing to, they, they are, a, they are a face for the hospital. I've never thought like about what it would be like if they themselves were like unreachable and it's like, that's scary. Or like, I never thought like, what if the thing I heard when I heard like static in the radio was a warning, like, Oh, that's like, Oh, that's so like spooky. Like now I'm rethinking, you know, radios that I've heard and stuff. Right. It's when you, it's when you introduce things that do not have rules or seem, seem to be like, you know, working against the rules you understand that um, I think horror becomes interesting again. Well, I, as you're saying that, I think that the, the, and, and, you know, sort of behind all of this is the question, you know, so why, why do games the games that i've played have scared me much more effectively than 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 watching a scary movie mm. with a few exceptions sure. um but but you know as as you're mentioning that i think to myself so basically um like i remember silent hill is especially one that that doesn't give you um the rules you sort of right. have to intuit them and by you know, sort of figuring out what the new rules are makes it much more sort of that that sense of mystery while the tension is ongoing and the sort of the atmosphere is really, you know, sort of oppressive and you don't know what the fuck is going on and there's <laughs> stuff out there in the fog. Um, you have to figure all this shit out. And, you know, I think that that's um, the fact that you're not given the rules. I, I think that's the part of the element, uh, part of the horror element that we find in like the, the dark souls games. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Environmentally, yeah, you know, environmental information that you do not, it's not really spoon fed to you. There's not a character that sort of like in a, in a dialogue tree tells you exactly what to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, you're right. Like it, it is, it is something that is like, absolutely. You're sort of, you're, you're asked to sort of like, yeah, this, you're asked to figure it out on your own. Um, and I think like, you know, what, what's interesting. I, uh, I've mentioned this, this podcast, it's on a hiatus right now, but that's just, uh, to me, that's just a good chance to catch up on it because, uh, it's a podcast that, um, the episodes are quite long, but they're all very, very good. Um, the the wonderful uh, podcast by my friend Sean and uh, and and I don't know her uh, personally, but uh, the the wonderfully intelligent uh, friend of Sean's uh, and and scholar in her own right, Astrid um, Astrid Rose, like the it's called Live at the Death Factory. It's quite good. And one of the reasons it's very good is because it is, it's an understanding of horror film that sort of like shies away from nostalgic slashers. Like you see in Blumhouse where it's like, Oh, we're making a John Carpenter movie uh, or uh, sort of like, <laughs> you know, like self-aware kind of like intellectual slashers that are like, well, this isn't, this isn't your father's horror movie. Um, like like um hereditary or something like that right it it is it is the sense of like they they look at stuff they call it um their their sort of word for it is a uh, scum cinema and in this sense like stuff that is is like openly kind of like trashy 
right? Um, mm-hmm. Has has of its of its own qualities a sort of trashiness, um, and in that you start to see like one of the things that is necessary for good horror cinema is a willingness to sort of like buy into a concept no matter how ridiculous it is. And I think like ridiculous is a, is a, is a strange word for this. And I don't necessarily know it would be, if it would be one that they would um, agree with, but what I think kind of works in thinking about like, you know, is, is uh, thinking about the, the term ridiculous is that it is a, it's a descriptor that like is at once like very unself serious and very serious, right? Like it's, you know, there's all sorts of theory written about like, Oh, how does humor work? Or how does the the sense of the absurd work or something like that? Um, and I think, you know, like typically that's not what we think about when we think of horror, we don't think of the absurd, but horror in a lot of ways, especially in film and literature is this combination of um, the, the, the ludicrous and the tragic Um and I think, you know, one of the benefits of games is that particularly in your ability to replay it, um, you can sort of undercut the tragedy and and feel very connected to the game in like a memorable way. You, you essentially can build your own closure as as a character within the game such that you you get to kind of experience the the full up and ups and downs of, a, of an emotional experience. Um I don't necessarily know if that makes for the most interesting or scariest games as we can sort of see with like Silent Hill, right? Where like the fear in this game, this is sort of what I write about in my book, like the fear in the game is about being overrun by people. It's about sort of like being around all these unfamiliar people and then being overrun while you're looking for the familiar. And like famously in Silent Hill, you don't typically find the familiar. Mm -hmm. Like even in alternate endings, you sort of like, Oh, you find aliens or like, like you find a joke or you never really get the closure that you're looking for. Um, and I, I think like that makes for a better horror video game and a much more, you know, while horror video games can be scary, I feel like there's, and, and maybe this isn't the case with you, but it's certainly the case with me that like, I felt that I've been scared by more horror games, like viscerally scared, but I've found myself thinking about fewer horror games over time. Um, thinking about them less like, oh, you know, like that, that kind of stuck with me sort of, sort of, uh, feeling, um, because, you know, like a lot of them, you can kind of, you got a game, right? Like you can conclude them. You can be like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to beat Resident Evil in two hours. And I'm going to come back with the, with the, um, with the, the shock, rocket, with the rocket launcher. <laughs> and I'm just going to like, I'm going to lay waste to these zombies. Um, but like games that games that um and 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 you know the 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 team that made this is not you know it's kind of a fraught situation but the game is 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 lovely um and i'm forgetting the name of the game now oh god uh it's uh uh our game oh my god uh i have to remember what this game is called um it's not doom eternal uh it is Oh gosh. Well, whatever. It's um a really interesting horror game. Uh, Doc recently wrote a game called Oh, uh it's called Paratopic. Paratopic mm. and and uh friend of the show Doc Squiddy, uh, the other devs are friends of the show as well, but um Doc always writes something kind of always is uh, useful at making a a, a snappy sentence. Uh, Paratopic is a short super short experimental horror game about three people and some infected videotapes. Right? And Paratopic like 
Um, Doc's new game is called Adios. It's not scary, but it's um, it's lovely. It's it's a it's a it's a wonderful game. Um, but uh, uh, the the point of Paratopic is that it is like short, disturbing, and it gives you nothing. Right? Like it does not conclude in a in a clear way, and and not because they don't have ideas, but because the developers aren't particularly interested in doing so. And as a result, it reminds me a lot of Silent Hill and games that don't give you closure. Um, and, and the way that those games really work um, more than games that give you full closure and particularly like narrative horror games that give you complete and total closure at the end. I don't think work. I mean, they work and they're fun to play, but they don't necessarily work as things that you keep coming back to as thought as objects of sort of like contemplation or fear even right um i'm thinking so, uh oh go ahead i'm sorry uh, no no I'm no it's, that's it's way too good. much talking go ahead <laughs> no I, I i i think it's really interesting because i i do think that um at least for me uh the stuff that has um if i may be glib has like a hole in it you know that mm-hmm. that, that or or is um not particularly resolved sticks with me uh, I, I, because it, 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 it invites you. And I think this goes into like the, the, the whole theory of, you know, like art, you know, a book's mm. not complete without its reader. Like, sure. The writer writes the book, but the reader is who completes it. Uh, and the same thing with, you know, like performances and so on and so forth. It's inviting you in to make your own interpretations and you have to sort of leave a space yeah. for th- in this case, the player to sort of, well, shit, uh, <laughs> I got to think about this now. And- yeah. And I think like the, the risk there, right. Especially with, I think you're totally right. And I think like the risk with video games and, and how we understand them is like a lot of times what happens when there's a hole in a novel, people will say like, oh, that's the novel encouraging, you know, uh, contemplation and, and, and thinking about like, oh, like what, what's going on in this text? Like, is it, you know, how, how can we understand it? Whereas in a video game, they just say like, Oh, maybe they didn't get time to finish it. This happens. Like we were, I, I was like, I was talking about this with, uh, with Tia again, when we were streaming, because we streamed Ash Lake in, um, in dark souls and Ash Lake gets this. I mean, I, I've never actually played a version where I've gotten to Ash Lake. Um, it's hidden. It's super hard to get oh, to. Really? Okay. I, I, if I may interject real quickly, I oh, think Ash, oh. You must. Ash, yeah, Ash Lake is like it's it's like a mystery. It's it's the heart, but it's, oh, I agree. It, it is it is in it in and of itself the a mystery also because you can see like the um, I guess the arch trees and the distance, and you're like, oh shit, like this is like. Um, uh, the wood between worlds and Narnia or some shit, you know, that's yeah, it's like, where-, where do those places live? Like I, I spent this whole game looking at like the all of Lordran, like what's this? Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And like, I was, I was really taken by, by Ash Lake. I was like, this is amazing. Like what a, what a wonderful place. Like what a great place to sort of like cement all the themes about dark souls. Like this is fascinating. And like, you know, what I, what I also know about, about dark souls discourse is like, that Ash Lake is often maligned as incomplete, right? Like, well, you didn't have time. Hey, they didn't complete it. And it's like, <laughs> looking at it, it's like, even if they didn't, <laughs> it is the, like, I, I had a hard time like explaining this, but it's sort of like, 
even if they didn't have time to finish it, it is thematically resonant, which means that it is finished. Like it, it says something about the game, but it has this, it has this massive, uh, um, um, reputation as incomplete because like people know about the way that like development worked on that game. Right. And they're just like, well, like, look, like, people people ran out of money and so like we had to we had to rush the game out so fine but that's that doesn't that doesn't answer all of my questions and so like i think it's risky for for big developers to leave holes like that i think like games like death stranding would be far better if they had more narrative holes in there as opposed to sort of dotting every i and crossing every t Mm -hmm. um but it's it's a it's a rare thing so do let me ask you this because uh, I I am not su- I, like I am I don't have the pu- my finger on the pulse of games per se. Well, first off, a, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, but that's why I brought you on. Oh, uh, well, good point. Good point. Um, but so, do you think that that slack is given to say novel writing and not games? because of like a recency bias because it's a younger sort of um uh form of narrative that's a good question i mean i think like i think it's hard to understand games as narrative right like i think it's even though we always refer to them that way and we're you know it's, it's very in vogue to sort of like think about games you know before even before doing no cartridge and i think like a lot since starting a cartridge, I think there's a lot more and not because of the podcast, but just because, you know, people have parallel thought processes. Um, ha- I think there's a lot more thinking on on how video games can be like sort of serious narrative pieces and stuff like that. Some of it I agree with, some of it I don't, but it's a, it's a much more sort of um, uh, I'll say it's a much more robust field than when I started. And that's great. It it. It's also true that it's become like trendy to think about games as as narrative and stuff, but it's trendy to think about certain kinds of games as narrative as having narratives. It's not necessarily trendy to think of games as like a narrative art form. Um, and so as a result, it's like, well, yeah, like we have these elements of games, right, that are that are narrative. We can think about games as having a narrative. But people understand them, and rightfully so, as so much of a commodity that it's hard to sort of say, like, okay, like, is the game, like, artistic in a narrative sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's not a lot of people are going to say that, but people are always going to say it about books, right? Like, no one's no one's going to be like, oh, I don't think a book is narrative in an artistic sense, like, or a film is. <laughs> people I mean- are... I, I I would argue a particular that, that, film, but <laughs> yeah, like like I would argue that even sort of like trashy like a game novelizations like Halo Reach the 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 novelization is pure narrative, even though it's it's like a commercial tie-in. I'll um, I'll go further and say that it's probably uh, by and large given more credit for its narrative than Halo Reach the game. Uh, just because of you know, well, and honestly, because it's in, because it's within, it's it's held within uh, a bunch of pages, right? Like uh, two 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 covers and and some pages. Um, and you know, no no, I'm not angry at the people who are doing that. Like it's it's a very natural thing to have like um, a response to. Um, it's a very normal thing to have a response to like 
established literature and not established or uh, art or not established art in the same in like different ways um mm -hmm. we just you know that's that's something we've been doing as a species for our you know our whole time on 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 the planet like we did that with novels too like novels for a long time people were like i don't know about this like photography people were like i don't think this could be art because everyone could point and shoot a camera like it, it, it it's nothing new but right. i i think like video games right now are are considered in the same way that say like photography was when it was a new art where like people are like well anyone can tell a story in a video game the point of the video game isn't the story it's about like you know if you can code it or whatever and as a result it becomes like you know it's it, it's silly to think about a story in a game before you think about like it's you know it's 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 heft and it's weight as like a coded object um similar to be like you know it, it would be like you know you buy a box of Oreos and you read sort of like the, the ad copy on the back or whatever. And you're like, this was a very well-crafted narrative. And someone said, did you like the cookies? And they said like, well, I didn't, I didn't eat the cookies. I just looked for the narrative. <laughs> like we'd be, you'd be rightfully confused, but um, I think that's how people think about video games now. And like, as a result, not everyone, but I think it's something a lot of people do because it's, it's something they find fun and like, Art's supposed to be not enjoyable and hard and like people aren't supposed to like it is, is sort of like most people's understanding of art. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that there's an eat your vegetables type of aspect to, sure. to it and, and a resistance to it because not everyone, you know, you don't want to eat your vegetables so that, you know, that's why. Yeah, don't you, make, don't make my, don't make my, like, don't, it's like when people find out their favorite food is healthy. Like it's like, <laughs> it's great when you find out your favorite food's healthy, but like, it also is like, oh, that kind of kind of wrecks it a little like I didn't I didn't need to know that all this butter was actually healthy for me. Like, um, <laughs> well, I'll be stopping that now by yeah, like, pushing oh, your plate away. I have to find something less healthy now. Like it is it is it's sort of like having having a guilty pleasure or having something that you see as a guilty pleasure is only fun if it is, in fact, guilty. <laughs> well, and, um, and if other people view it as a, as a guilty pleasure as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of illicit. Um, and so as a result, like it's not illicit to to like video games if they're like a big deal. Right. <laughs> like, no one's going <laughs> to no one's going to be like, oh, wow, you like video games. That's respectable. Um <laughs> <laughs> and, and people aren't going to be, oh my God, like I have to hide this. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I guess the point I'm making is it's in a, in a, in a film, we're sort of under, we sort of understand that like things that are left out can be intentionally left out. Whereas in a video game, it's, it's, it's harder to understand that because we're not thinking about it on the level of a film. We're not, we're not willing to sort of think about it at the level of a film. And I, I think like, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's something that we need to change in our, our way that we think about movies or, 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 well, not movies, but the way we think about video games, but it's also like, I don't know, it, it, it is changing as like, say, as horror games change, because, you know, the point I made earlier about, um, the point I made earlier about there being like, uh, a kind of handicap for earlier games, because like they were the first ones to do these experimental things and therefore the scariest, um, I also think that like current games have to play with really interesting and strange constraints to, you know, scare people as well. I'm thinking like, um, I mean, you can point to games that are scary because of their group settings. Like Phasmophobia is a, is a recent horror game that is like on its own, not particularly scary. It's just like a, your, your, your ghost hunters effectively. Um, 
but with a group, it can be quite scary. If you ever watch like um, let's plays of it or something like that, or clips, like people can really, really freak themselves out. Like they can get all those jump scares in because like <laughs> they, they create their own, uh, their own lack of, um, I don't know what to call it. They create their own sort of like unassuming lack of concern because they're there with their friends. And then all of a sudden there's a ghost um, <laughs> or games like uh, uh, Kitty horror show is a, is an interesting developer. Uh, she has a game called VHS, which is um, no, it's not the, not VHS. That's a different game. I'm thinking of, Oh, uh, well, it's a game about, it, it doesn't matter, but it's a game about, uh, Oh, it's, anatomy the game's called anatomy and it's a game about being inside a house and finding a bunch of videotapes and the videotapes having sort of like accounts on them about the house and you're sort of learning about the previous uh inhabitants but then like it also becomes clear that the house is a body that is like digesting you and so it it pairs these sort of terrifying elements together and so as a result like what's scary about anatomy is like you are sort of experiencing a shift in genre. Like you're like, Oh wait, this isn't scary because of the history of the house. This is scary because I'm being digested by this monster house. Hmm. Um, and like, you know, the last example, again, there's a million more I can give, but I've already yammered on enough. Like the, the, the other example I'll give is alien isolation, which is like a terrifying game by all accounts. And the reason it's such a terrifying game is because, you are hiding from an alien um, and it feels like you're hiding from an alien and the alien is smart enough as an AI that it can sort of like find you in hiding places and learn from your, you know, patterns and like make, you know, reasonable assumptions about where you'd want to hide. And that's super scary. It feels like you're actually being hunted, which is like you sort of have a version of this where it's like the technology has improved. So the, the stories we're telling can improve as well. And I think that's why, like, that's why video games are so hard to peg is like the technology is still changing and, and may always still be changing. The the ways people tell stories are changing to both embrace that technology and also in the case of like indie games like um, Anatomy and uh, Paratopic, like shy away from from that technology and do something different. Um, and like it's it's a it's a as you've said it's a game you play with it's something you play with your friends like it's something that you experience with other people from from Resident Evil one to now like I think everyone probably has a story if they played Resident Evil one as a kid like of having a friend introduce it to them and it being like ultra scary like that's just <laughs> or being that friend yeah oh yeah just being your your friend being a sadist and just sitting there watching you expecting the scare to happen yeah no well yeah because all kids want to do that all kids want to see what happens when their friend it's like it's so embarrassing to be scared like that you're just like but what if i could see someone else get scared <laughs> like that like, that would even the score um yeah no so i think i think they're a really complicated thing like in 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 you know in a field that is always kind of like reassessing itself, like horror, it's, it's especially interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I if we can circle back just very briefly, to, we can always circle back, Carlo. I love woo-hoo. circling back. Uh, uh, the, the idea of perhaps a, maybe not the misapprehension, but just the misconstruct being misconstrued as narrative games being misconstrued as narrative. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think uh, not just for horror games, but like in general, because I I also wonder if it's simply that there's this broad, um, just broad swath of different games and all sorts of different games that don't 
have any perceptible narrative. Like, what's the narrative of Tetris? You know, the, <laughs> yeah, good I, question. So, you know, I I think that to to perhaps let players who you know sort of think in, well, you know, it doesn't have a complete story because they ran out of money or whatever. The devs didn't bother to do that. You know, they may also be thinking along those lines where you know, how can you really judge a game that. You know, that game against something that's like, you know, oh, so what? what's the narrative of a tic-tac-toe game or, you know? No, it's a really good point. And, like, I think I think the question of, I mean, it, it's, it's sort of, it's one of those fine slicing things that feels very natural when you get to it. Where, like, you'd say, like, what's the narrative of this pamphlet? And people would say, like, there is no narrative to the pamphlet. The pamphlet does not have a narrative. And everyone would accept that. They'd be like, okay, I agree that the narrative does not have a, the the pamphlet does not have a narrative. That makes sense. But that's something that took a long time to develop. Like if you look at the history of the novel, I start my, my book on video games with a brief history of the novel, which is like, let me tell you, um, not something that your uh, agent or publisher encourages you to do. Um, But I did it (laughs) because... It it really like it's relevant, right? Like it's extremely relevant because when the novel comes out, I think like maybe the main thing about about the novel, right, is uh, people asking like, okay, so like, what is a novel? Like, what what are we doing here? What is what is a novel? And like people being like, okay, uh, a novel is this book I wrote, and it is a mythopoeic epic. Uh, piece. Uh, it's Homeric, but it also has, it uses uh, vulgar language, which is to say the Queen's English as opposed to Latin. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's like, okay, is that a novel? Oh, no, an actual novel is this, my travel log. This is the first novel ever. Or no, it's actually this. It's a series of letters written between lovers. And like the, the elements of like what counts as a novel are just impossible. Like no one, fig- no one could figure it out. And so like, as a result, everything is a novel and nothing's a novel for, for quite some time um, to the point that you can you can point to things like pamphlets or you can point to things like like uh, Mary Wollstonecraft's, uh, you know, um, Vindication of the Rights of Women, which is probably as widely read as some novels. And it's like, well, does that have a narrative? And no one knows. And so, like, I think the you know, the the questions around video games are very similar to the questions around like a lot of young mediums. And um, yeah, I think you're, you're totally correct that like one of those questions is like, Hey, I, uh, I often play games that do not have narratives. Like uh, I don't care about like, you know, what the narrative of like my, my daily, po- my weekly poker game, my daily poker game. I do care <laughs> about that narrative because if I'm losing money, it's a very bad narrative. Um, but uh, I care. I don't care about the the narrative of my, of my weekly poker game with my friends. Like the narrative is we like, we bullshit around and, and, you know, it's an excuse to to talk to my buddies without having to be like, let's just like put on a coffee and chat because that we don't like to do that. I, I, this is hypothetical. I don't have a weekly poker game, but I would love to have one if anyone is listening <laughs> and wants to start one. Um, what what, but, I, what I'm hearing is that you, you, you know, I need a buddies, poker game. Yeah, you need yeah. a poker game and, and you need an, a, a pretext for vulnerability. That's uh, uh, oh, well, yeah, like most men I do. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it's a podcast and sometimes it's a poker game. But um yeah, I mean, like, you know, people will say that, but also I think that's often just taken as 
a, a, a sort of stopping point where people say like, well, that, there's no answer. So I guess video games can't be narrative, but like it is, it's not a stopping point. And like, whether or not we agree that it's a stopping point, it won't be a stopping point because it's, it's simply just another question. It's the question of like, okay, so like, that's a good, that's a fair point. How do we, how do we figure that out? Or like, Oh, you know, like uh, this scare, like a lot of the most interesting horror video games are uh, in fact, um, uh, visual novels because like they, they have like these horrifying terror, like, really scary like um narratives like i would say like one of the scarier games i've played recently is is uh is the silver case by uh suda 51 like mm -hmm. it's it's scary like it's a it's a crime uh visual novel but like or a cop visual i don't know how you want to describe it but like it is it's terrifying um and not terrifying in a like this is our society kind of i'm <laughs> not like not it is existentially terrifying but not in the way that you might expect but like is that a video game? Like I didn't play a lot. That's the other end of it. Right. Where you say like, I don't remember like putting in controls to dodge a bunch of enemies. Like this can't be a video game. Um, and so those questions are important questions as much as we want to dismiss them or as much as I often want to dismiss them. They're important questions. They're just also questions that are going to get solved, whether we like it or not. And at that point, then the genre is just going to change again. Uh, we we really like there's almost nothing, you know, presuming there are video games in like, you know, 100, 200 years or whatever. Um, it's going to be quite difficult to um, or no, I'm sorry, it won't be quite difficult. It's impossible to predict what they would be. It's like it's it's it's, it's a it's a losing battle. Well, that may not that... be where you wanted this to go. I'm sorry. This <laughs> no, is a no. wide ranging discussion. I hope. No, no. I hope, not... it on, I hope it did on some things that you were interested in hearing about. No, it's fine. I I, th I think that um, that uh, ending ending a a a series of questions about uh, the question of where <laughs> video games will be <laughs> with not a period but a question. Mm, yeah, <laughs> seems no, fair perfectly enough. appropriate. It's um, certainly what I like to do, Carlo. Let me. I want to ask you a question to 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 end this up, um, or to, not to end it up, but to to sort of. Um, not have this all be about me um because i hate that uh and I'm, I'm more interested in hearing about you because i it's 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 an old habit from hosting i just want to hear more about people so i end up asking as many questions when i guest as when i host um i actually hope i ask more when i host but that's neither here nor there <laughs> uh what is your like so silent hill was your second video uh, horror game and and clearly the one that affected you more what is what would you call your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Hmm. I mean, I think, and, and I, I don't want to dodge the question entirely because I no, I, feel I, spent, free. I always dodge favorites questions. No, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, I it's a proud tradition. I think Silent Hill stayed with me a long time. Like I, I haven't replayed it. I haven't like bought the remasters. It's very expensive uh, for the PS4 right now. But uh, and it, granted, it's all all the games up until this point. But um, but the the first Silent Hill uh, has stayed with me a long time. Like like mm. I can still like vividly uh, think about how I felt that moment, you know, the moment that I saw the little shadow kid, like yeah. do a little squeak and fall. And, and like the, like 
I can see myself in that dim room, just like freaking the fuck out. Um, <laughs> but mostly right now I've been playing Bloodborne, which I don't know is exactly the same type of horror. It's very similar to, um, what I mean, it's Lovecraftian for sure. It's it's Lovecraftian. Yes, yes. There is horror in it in the narrative itself, but I, I feel that uh, it it's not. It doesn't have a lot of very scary, like viscerally scary stuff. Unless it's more, you're, I mean, I I think like I think it has the it has the it can, it can absolutely take the title of a cosmic horror. Like it it absolutely mm-hmm. is a cosmic horror game, and in, in, in whatever that means to you. Because it is not about you're, you're totally right. I completely agree. It's not about scares. It's not like oh, I'm spooked by this. Like ah, I can't believe you did that. It's much more like Ugh, this is like really disturbing or upsetting or like right. Like it's unsettling. it's a, it's a game about if you have perceived some of the narrative that's sort of scattered about. Uh, it's really a game about like uh, honestly a mortal sin that that has been inflicted upon the world mm-hmm. and whether or not that can ever be be washed clean which right. is oppressive and awful but i don't know that it's like uh <laughs> me freaking out about you know the nurses <laughs> janky movements uh after me in silent hill you know I wonder uh, if that's like that's actually a really interesting point that I've never thought about is that like I wonder if a lot of um I wonder if a lot of the the things that are so pervasive to us about horror happen when we're kids because as we get older um a lot of the horror that grips us is not scary in the same way like it's tough to say like you know bloodborne is scary as as you pointed out even if like the horror in it is much more it's much more like akin to something that we might contemplate on on a dark night or something like that right um that's really interesting because like nothing like nothing like bloodborne would hit very well when you're a kid right <laughs> it's like you'd be like I mean, it, it w- yeah. I mean it's it's cool now and it would probably be badass when you're a kid you know you'd be like oh, yeah but would shit. it be scary right yeah like- yeah well i think that that's the, the there is i think that uh, on the spectrum between scary and badass it would fall on the badass you know like yes shit, absolutely look at how cool i look <laughs> Yeah, but now it's like you're just like, oh, geez, like a a disease that infects the land that is uh, is related to like the death of a child or like a cosmic child, and you know, was it was it justified or was it a sin? And like it, that that's the kind of stuff that you're like, Whoa, I could like I could find ways that this is relevant to me now. Um, I mean, in a I way think- that like scary nurse, maybe not. Right, right. I think that um, it's it's a it's a subtler type of uh, thing, right? Because mm. um, I've been thinking about this a lot, and uh, there's, I mean, in in relation to Bloodborne, I should say, uh, there was a a video recently by uh, Lit Crit Guy. Okay, and, yeah, I know him. Yeah, and very, so, very good. Yeah, and and I hadn't really thought of it, but basically. Um, I would say that every from software game is basically uh a trolley problem. Okay. And you cannot like the trolley problem the problem with it is that there is no way for you to be completely uh like th- th- there isn't a way for you to not have blood on your hands. You're There's right. only Yeah. 
there's only less harm and more harm. And it's something that even as an adult, I feel like I, I shy away from it. It's not something that is given the fact that games are sort of wish fulfillment and power fantasies. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of those types of narratives in general. It's very uh, sort of off putting uh, to find a game that does not let you sort of be entirely the good guy. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I think like, I think what's, what's wonderful about the souls games is that like, in order to be like the best guy you can be really like your only option is to unlink the fires and destroy the world. <laughs> yes. Like, and yes. at a good point, it's like, you know, if you really want to be the good guy here, you should absolutely just like ruin the world because otherwise what are well, you I doing? Mean, you're just, you're, I mean, you're perpetuating this terrible life for everyone. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's sort of like the, the, the choice between uh, if we can bring it current and somewhat political is the yes. choice between a, a neoliberal order that sort of continues to sort of patch all the cracks and try to limp along as, as best as possible or tear it all down. Let's do it all over again. Let the chips right. fall where they may. And that may cause a lot of harm, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's sort of the promise of a good thing after much suffering. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's really interesting. Like both what you're saying and both what the, the insight from the liquor guy about like the, the trolley problem being an issue of a, of like, you could never actually get away from causing harm because like, you know, the, the trolley problem is extremely popular in uh, ethics problems and, and particularly like ethics in the in the like philosophy class sense um, where like people will be like, well, is it is it worse to kill or let die or like is letting die a uh, like, is that the same as murder or is it better or is it where like, you know, and, and these are things like eth ethicists think about and, and, you know, as a result should be should be treated uh, with scorn and uh, and anger. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, I've, I've met many lovely ethicists. In fact, uh, you know, one of one of my one of my favorite professors, um, uh, Kelly Sorensen, uh, I believe still at her sinus. I don't I don't know if he still is, but I hope so. Um, lovely, lovely man and, and a wonderful ethicist. Um, you know, I, I doubt our politics could be any further apart. Uh, I think he is a He's like a committed Jehovah's Witness Mormon. I'm not sure, but uh, but very much like you know, we do. I doubt we have similar politics. Um, I I don't know for sure, but uh, very intelligent man. Um, and he, you know, he was very interested in these problems. But there's something very and, and by de by design. This is not a critique of ethics ethics as a discipline. It is it is part and parcel of it. It's bloodless, right? Like the question is a question of analytic philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason analytic philosophers hate continental philosophy, uh, and I'll give you the difference between those things, uh, analytic philosophy is questions like, um, you know, what ontologically, which is to say like what in terms of belief or uh, being is a smile, uh, you know, like how how can we understand like the, the, the sort of like um, – it's very, very functional questions and not, not, not uninteresting questions, just very different than the questions of continental philosophy, which is sort of my, my thing more, which is like, um, you know, like if you, um, if, if, if politics can be described as like, 
an event and ongoing uh ongoing then like how do we understand like protest or revolution is it part of a a process or or sort of a a delinking of that that kind of question right um but ethics is part and parcel with analytic philosophy is about finding function and, and thinking about the function of thought and and thinking in the world and and you're right that like if you make that a real world problem, um, you're in a world that the analytic philosophers aren't nearly as interested in as you are. <laughs> like you're in a world where it's like, okay, you're going to be, you have to explain to the analytic philosopher now that why, like why what you're saying like matters in a political sense counts because mm -hmm. what they're going to wonder about is like, okay, but like what, what is better uh, killing or letting die? Um, not, you know, what is better when you're doing this trolley problem, uh, getting a vaccine or not getting a vaccine. Right. Um, and, and, and I think the FromSoft games, and maybe this is a good way to tie it back, like as a horror object, get this better than a lot of people, myself included on Twitter, um, et cetera, can, can, can grasp, which is like, this is a very real world that you're in um it's dead it's dying it's tragic but like the people in it grab you and you care about some of them and you hate others like it's it is a it's a real real place um and as a result it's like well you know like you 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 kind of have to care on some level about it and once you care on some level about it it's no longer bloodless it is mm -hmm. very real and very affecting um and so at that point you need to um I don't know at that point you need to like make a choice that's going to upset you. And as you say that's a that's a it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Well, I mean I think that it it sort of the the trolley problem itself is symbolic and and, and I think from software gets that of you're dropped into this world, you know, mm -hmm. uh and, and you're born and you 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 become an adult and you, it's an ongoing thing. And that's the track, right? And yeah. suddenly you have to make a choice. So, you know, and what's the choice you'd rather make? And th the the problem with that is once you couch it in those terms, I think that the it becomes sort of more cosmic horror because basically you can't <laughs> opt you can't opt out of life. This is already happening. It already happened. You're already here. What are you gonna do now? Right. And and I mean, and, you can, you can opt out of, um, you can opt out of the haunted mansion. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> there's nothing keeping you there. You can turn around and leave. Uh, like the thing keeping you in the haunted mansion is a locked door. Like look, you can um, absolutely go. If, if the vampire invites you to his castle to avoid exiting it, I would simply never go there. Wow. See that? Well, there's a paper. You should, you should, you should edit that part out. Um, <laughs> keep it uh, to and, myself. And keep, yeah, keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Um, no, that's yeah. The, the, and it's a really good point. Where like, I think the I think the the point of cosmic horror and why it is terrifying in a particular way is that it is like I don't know. Like it is. It's scary. Like it's 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 scary and unavoidable and something we all recognize on like a very real level is unavoidable. You're never going to get outside of this problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really interesting. I never thought of it that way, but I mean, you're dead on. Well, I, 
And, and 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 given that this is my podcast, now that you said that I'm correct, uh, we will end it here. No, <laughs> ah, wonderful. Uh, no, that that's that is that is your right as as podcast guy. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, so uh, do you, do you have any last thoughts that you wanted to get out there, Trev? I, I know that. Oh my gosh, um, I think I, I think I I think I just talked so so much. I'm so sorry. Um, no, uh, don't but be. I uh, I have I have no uh, no thoughts left in my head. I think I got them all out. I um. I'm excited. I, I think- I'm excited to use these thoughts in in my daily life and just uh, <laughs> find my family. Just kind of trying to get into different rooms. I try and sit them down and explain why why cosmic horror is is so important to me now. Um, and, and and instill the the absolute wisdom of uh, always picking the uh, the person who can pick locks. That's right. Well, every time you want to get in those doors. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> if there's something really scary about video games, it's not being able to get in those. Damn doors. <laughs> so, uh, so Trevor, let me ask you this before we uh, we close this out. Oh, um, what irons do you have in the fire, or for you oh, have anything gosh. forthcoming? Uh, you know, Carlo, I do. Um, I have uh, I have a book forthcoming. Uh, it is called Story Mode. It is uh, on sale wherever uh, good and bad books are sold. We don't. We don't discriminate between the two, um, <laughs> but no, it's it's uh, it's it's sold everywhere. You can get it on Amazon if that's your purchaser of choice at the current moment. That is perfectly okay. Uh, I understand. Um, it is it is not the. I know it's not the done thing, but uh, I understand where you're coming from. It is actually quite a, uh, a a tricky thing to do if you are out of the states to order from someone not Amazon for this particular book, and I'm sure a lot of other books. So I get it. Um, it's also electronic. It's coming out November 15th. That's when it ships. So, uh, you know, get, take a look at it. Well, I'll, I, I can send you Carlo a review copy. Um, Ooh. yeah. How about that? Goodies. And, goodies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You didn't think running a podcast would get you anything, but, um, that's the only reason people start podcasts. But, well, uh, I mean, they they say crime doesn't pay, so I turn to podcasting. <laughs> what? <laughs> you fool! Uh, crime, <laughs> crime pays so well, uh, but yeah, that the the podcast, the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash no cartridge, um, and the the podcast is called No Cartridge Audio. It's 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 on all your podcatchers. Um, I'm always. I'm always putting stuff out there. Even on weeks I missed the main show, like this last week I was too busy to do a main show. Still got two episodes out, so there's more content than you can shake a stick at. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's what I got in the fire. Nothing, nothing beyond that, and you know, all the other jobs I have. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully back on Podside soon. Always a pleasure. Excellent. Yeah, well, we we'd love to have you back on once the book's out, uh, so you can pound the drum a little bit more about story mode. God, I love I love founding the drum about my book. My book. I just need to figure out how to talk about myself for a longer period of time, uh, because <laughs> it is uh, I can talk about things for a long period of time. Um, can't talk about myself for a long period. It's tough to <laughs> tough to big big talk myself for a long period of time. I'll admit. Uh, so you know, I'm gonna have to work on that. But maybe maybe uh, maybe next time I'm on, I will have learned to uh, talk about myself and and describe why I'm so cool. Cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll give you some time so you can do your little uh, training montage oh, about talking. Thank God. Yeah. No, I'm just I'd definitely like Rocky punching the uh, 
the side of beef, but me just like explaining to people why my book's good, and I'm just kind of walking away, just trying again and again. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, um, I, I, I was super glad to have you on, Trevor. Uh, thanks again. Thanks Always for a pleasure. Me, Excellent. And um, if that's it, I do want to thank you all for listening in, and we'll catch you next time at the graveside. <laughs>